Hey everyone, Jason Torchinski here. And first, thanks for listening. Second, thanks to our new sponsor, Marble. Marble? We got we got a rock to sponsor our podcast? <laughs> no, David. Marble with a capital M. It's the only all-in-one app for managing your insurance policies and getting rewarded for it. Okay, all right. Well, I have a bunch of cars that I think they're all probably insured, so this could help. Probably not, but Marble's great. It's fast and it's easy to set up as it'll put all of your different insurance policies in one place for you. It's free, which we love around here, being cheapskates, and it will automatically alert you if your rates are going to increase, probably with some kind of really loud sound. Once you set it up, you don't have to do anything as it does it for you, like a robot trained to monitor insurance. And you get marbles, which you can redeem for rewards or use to donate to charity. A marble spewing robot. Whew, that sounds great. How many marbles did you get from it? I got, let's see, two, 900 marbles. Uh, what do you do with that many marbles? I just put them all on a Target gift card. Okay, what'd you do at Target? What'd you get? I got a big uh, crap load of Hot Wheels. I assume for uh, your child? Yeah, yeah, sure, for my child. Mm, okay, well, anyway, um, okay, that sounds good. I like Hot Wheels. Uh, where do I sign up? So you just go to joinmarble.co slash Autopian and you start adding your policies. And not only will you be supporting this podcast, you will also get rewarded just for being a real adult and keeping on top of your insurance. Joinmarble.co slash Autopian, is that right? Yes, David. That's joinmarble.co slash Autopian. Welcome to the other episode of the Autopian podcast. Today we're talking Subaru. I'm here with Matt Hardegree. We just saw the unveiling of the new Subaru Forester at the LA Auto Show. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But first, Jason Torchinski. He's down for the count. His heart exploded, possibly because there was too much love in it. Love for cars, especially micro cars. Um, we have a lot of theories on why his heart, heart exploded. He had an aortic dissection. Very, da- very dangerous. We just, I really shouldn't be joking about this. But um, Jason jokes about everything, so we should as well. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's an aortic dissection. And I when we posted the picture of him, my buddy who's an ER doc goes, Oh, it's a good thing Sally got it in him in an ambulance fast because there's two kinds and one's like deadly and one's super deadly. And he had the super deadly kind. So he's like, he didn't have a lot of time. So. Yeah, he luckily lives within like a mile of the hospital and he got there immediately. You know, one thing I worry about is he he called up Sally and he was like, yo, man, my, my chest feels weird it hurts and it's like i feel a pain down toward my stomach and she was like okay call the ambulance right now and it's like a lot of people are hesitant to call the ambulance because of our you know healthcare concerns and that kind of thing also just like being a man kind of macho whatever but that here would have been catastrophic so i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this but if you feel no, something, get, go, get 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 the ambulance. I once yeah. I was with with my now wife, then girlfriend in Chicago, and we had just moved to the city, and she passed out in a Buca de Beppo's in a restaurant. Oh, and uh, we were like, we didn't know. It was just low blood pressure. It was just like low blood pressure. It was like nothing bad. Like it turned out to be completely fine. And they like called the ambulance, and they were like, you you, you go get the ambulance. You go get in a very Chicago. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And then they're like, I'm like, can I get in? They're like, are you married? And I'm like, I was an idiot. I should have said yes. But then I said, nope. And they go, nope. 
I'm like, oh, I guess I'll get a cab. And they're like, as they're loading her into the ambulance, they go, oh, you don't need a cab. The hospital's right there. And they point to a building that's so close I can see it. And then they drive us there. And it was like $1,400 to go like three blocks. So yikes! So well, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But just just the advice here is err on the side of caution. Um, anyway, luckily, our readers have been incredibly kind towards Jason uh, with one named Thad setting up a, um, a GoFundMe that has raised over 25 large uh, to help Jason pay for all the medical expenses. And uh, so that's all great. Um, so we just want to say thank you to everyone. Jason is recovering well. He is going to write his first blog in a few weeks uh, very soon. He's going to recount his heart explosion. We're going to get all the gory details. We're going to see the scar up close. So get ready. Check out the website. It's going to be good. It's going to anyway. be, be great. I'm glad that also, I think, I, I'm i not sure. I'm trying to remember where Heart Exploded came from, but it's not medically what happened. But, no, I feel but We're trying to get clicks here. <laughs> yeah, emotionally, it's what happened because it started when it happened because you I had fall I'd gotten up really early that morning and calls Jason and like I'd gone up and I like started my like winter holiday exercise routine of like waking up early so I was miserable I fell asleep at like 8 30 I felt I was so tired and then I got a text and like it was like oh, I don't want to look at the text and I was like oh Jason's heart's whatever he's going to the hospital like okay because it's kind of later at night and I was like oh that's that's bad and like I was like couldn't sleep then because I was all jacked up like what's you know what's going on with Jason and I'd already been asleep for like four hours at that point so like you know I mean checking and I was like oh you know maybe his vital signs seem good seemed good he's talking like it seemed okay at first and then all of a sudden it was he needs to go into surgery right now and it was like oh no surgery right now that sounds serious and then it was like eight hours later or ten hours later until we found out that he was okay and it was like, oh, this is, this is serious, serious. Yeah, some readers have hypothesized that uh, it was a result of Jason using a chainsaw to cut out the batteries from his Chinese Changli electric car. I think that's unlikely, but uh, um, anyway, I mean, hey, we can't we can't dismiss it. I think no, that that's a, a fair can. question. Um, I would also just like to say, not only is Jason doing well, but as he's reminded us a few times, and I'm not sure if he remembers that he's reminded us a few times, he's heavily on opiates uh, because they put a giant, like, I mean, it's like a 12 More so than normal, say. Yeah. Yeah. It, actually, honestly, other than the repeating himself, he doesn't actually seem that different. Uh, but I did I did try to convince him to watch all the Fast and the Furious movies in order of chrono chronology while he's high anyways. Um, and not watch them in order of release, but watch them in the order that it actually happens because they retconned a bunch of stuff. So it's super backwards, including you to, to understand it, these random characters that show up. Vin Diesel directed and wrote a short film called Los Bandoleros that is like half in Spanish and is it's almost like an art film. It is completely bonkers. And it's just explaining all the weird plot issues or what? Uh, it doesn't explain all of them, like a Fiero in space, but like it explains a lot of like, how is this guy alive when I just saw him die? And uh, with you no know, spoiler alert, Han dies in the third one, and yet he shows up in the fourth through seventh films. And you're like, how is that? How is that possible? Also, who are these random other people who just show up all of a sudden because they're in South America? And it's all explained with uh, the very excellent Vin Diesel short film, Los Bandoleros, which I should check. I'm going to make sure that before Jason gets off opiates, he watches it to see if he understands it better while being completely wasted on uh, prescription uh, painkillers. 
Okay, I'm going to read one comment from a reader named Monkey Monkey the Melon. He says, he or she says, never stop, Torch. That's not a request. That's an order. Us car nerds need you. These kinds of comments are what Jason needs to, uh, you know, get better fast and give us the blogs we deserve. Anyway, moving on. Let's move on from Jason. We don't want it to become too obvious that we're stalling because our Subaru episode's too short. So, so short. let's talk about the Subaru Forester. There was a debut at the LA Auto Show. Um, and I, well, I wrote about it. I, basically, what I said is in my article, it kind of doesn't doesn't really look like it's any more modern than like if you had told me the outgoing one was the new one, I would have believed it. Anyway, it was just a basic. Here's the new Subaru Forester blog. Very simple. And if we had written about most other cars, like if we had said, "Here's the new Honda Pilot." I'm not sure we would have gotten 130 comments. There's something about Subaru as a brand that is so, I don't know if the word is appealing, but certainly tons of our readers own them. And what's weird is tons of our readers begrudgingly own them. It's like, if you read the comments, half the comments are just people just complaining about their Subarus. They all somehow ended up owning one. Here's one. Here we go. Abraham Smith. Things I love about our Subarus, 2010 and 2014. This person has two of them. Loves, okay, no-nonsense interior design. Glass, big windows all around. Easy to work on. Easy to smash around forest roads and farm trails. Things I do not love. Body and interior plastic break easily. Shitty gas mileage. On the 2010, a miserable four-speed automatic. On the 2014, a CVT that feels like a rubber band. And... Then J-double-dub responds to that. As an owner of a 2010 Outback, I need to bitch about the easy-to-work-on part. This car has been dead reliable for 70,000 miles, but all the basic maintenance items are a pain in the ass. And it just goes on and on from everyone complaining about – look at this. Look at, this guy's complaining about his their wife's Subaru. She has no idea about a CVT at all, much less to complain about it. I hate it. Mine's a hair over 100,000 now, and it shudders on cold mornings. Fluid flush made no change. Their wheel bearings can go fuck off. Like, it's just hilarious. How many, why, why are all these car enthusiasts ending up owning Subaru? You own one. You're a huge, Matt, what's happening? I own one. I do. I, I own, I have a 2016 Forester um, in that really hilariously anonymous rental car like light silvery blue color okay there's actually a quote here that i i just it hit me right in the heart um this is from fuzzy weiss or fuzzy vice we've had our 2014 forester for about six years just a daily driver road trip every couple of years exactly what our our thing is still ours are 2016 but same concept same and it's the same generation car Still has less than 70,000 miles on it. Mine just rolled over 70. Yet somehow the rear bearings, front control arms, bushings, and speaker speakers failed on it. Okay, clarify. I have I have 73,000 miles on my car. I have replaced both rear wheel bearings at 50,000 miles and 60,000 miles. The rear bearings on, on one side didn't even last 50. And the other ones were still screaming, but I was just too mad about it. I've replaced both front lower control arms each side. And at yeah. first I thought, oh... Maybe it's just there's a lot of construction around here, whatever. No, as soon as I brought it in, the guy at my mechanic, I have a really good Subaru mechanic. He goes, lower control arms. I was like, dang it. How do you just, he says, all we do on these cars all the time is replace front lower control arms and rear bushings. 
And that's not cheap. Like for a car that's 70,000, my dad's Kia Soul, I just want to point out, which we've written about a few times because it's both under both warrant. It's actually under both recalls. He can't park it outside because it might catch on fire and he can't park it inside because it might get, or outside because it might get stolen. He can't park it inside because it might catch on fire, which is amazing. But he, um, uh, he, he, we just replaced the spark plugs in it at 170 something, 180,000 miles. No real, we're actually, I think the front bearings are probably starting to go. They're starting to get loud. That's amazing. But so why did I buy it? 2016, it was a good value. I think they are good at everything. They're not great at anything, but they're all okay. It was relatively cheap. It was well-designed. Here's the thing. It, aesthetically, and even on the inside, it's not that interesting. I think that like conceptually, it's a good package. And I agree the big windows, like the visibility is really good. It's really good in the snow um, with the right tires on it. But like, I would agree with Fuzzy Weiss at the end. He says, I'm going to have to pass on getting another one, like probably ever. Um, and which is sad because I had a brat. My parents had a brat and thought the thing was awesome. Rust like crazy, but still awesome. I don't think I'm ever buying a Subaru again, to be honest. I, this might be the last one, at least for a while. I've heard that from a number of people. It's safe. It gets all the good safety scores and it gives it, it, it like it, it, you buy into the lifestyle. You know, you people who are outdoors, people love animals like that is the car for them. And it does what they need it to. Uh, it, you know, all wheel drive works well in snow, but like you could buy a Toyota and not have to do those wheel bearings and front control arms until about 130,000 miles at least possibly. And it's like, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, to deal with those maintenance costs. So, and they're inefficient. I get pretty poor gas mileage and I mostly driving in the city. Like I'm like, I, every people who read the site know this, like my, right now, my two front runners for replacing it which I'll probably do before it gets to 100,000 miles, um, uh, are an all-wheel drive hybrid Maverick if they come out with one, but they probably, fingers crossed, they're going to announce one next year. And then um, a cross, Corolla Cross Hybrid, because I had a Corolla Cross Hybrid, which I didn't even want, but the read in Slack and the Discord, sorry, in the Discord, people were like, I had a list of press cars, and they're like, go drive this. And I'm like, that sounds boring. I'll probably hate it, and it's I'm fun to ride about that. It's good. Yeah, that, that story did like better than I would have expected it to do. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, those are both good options, by the way. I, I think I'd probably prefer the first one, but I mean, I don't know. It all depends. Um, I could talk everyone into getting a truck The and the all wheel drive hybrid isn't too expensive. It's if it's comparably priced, because right now the front wheel drive hybrid's cheaper than even an XLT is cheaper than a Corolla cross hybrid SE XSE. So like I would prefer the Maverick, but up here people want all-wheel drive even though i think just having steel wheels with winter tires is probably even better but like um yeah like if it's pro if it starts at 30 or 29 or something like that 32 i think that i could probably i think the first basically what i'm going to do is i'm going to like if i hear it's coming i'm going to be like christine i'm going to try to my wife i'm going to try to talk her into it and then if i can talk her into it the second that deposits open i'm giving Bo. I'm calling Bo and I've said, here's my 200 or 300 or $500. Like, like, even if I don't actually, even no, I'm not even going to try to talk anyone into it. I'm just going to, because it's going to probably take so long to get, I'm just going to give the money and the deposit because it's refundable. And then I will figure out if I want it later. And then wait two years to show up or whatever. Yeah. And 67 years, I'll get it. Yeah. All right. So now we need to um, introduce our uh, podcast um, where we spoke with um, someone from Subaru. Um, it was, um, slightly shortened um 
Oh, I was supposed to talk about membership first. Okay, Matt, go ahead. Get into I it. I haven't talked enough already. Hey, so I'm Matt Hardegree. I'm the publisher of this establishment. Um, a year ago, almost exactly, we started uh, with membership. And, you know, just from like a high level, we started with membership first because honestly, we want to make something that's so valuable to people that they want to read it every day and they want to be a part of the community. And we want to give them so much value. We want to give you listeners of this podcast so much value that it is worth giving us a little money in exchange for us not having to put so many ads on the page. Um, the, the best way to do this for us would be to just be 100% membership. Realistically, to be sustainable, probably not something we can do uh, anytime soon. But right now, membership covers a rather decent-sized chunk uh, of our operating costs, which is awesome. Um, it allows us to keep really amazing journalists employed. It allows us to have really great contributors and freelancers. Uh, and what I just want to say, a message out there, first of all, thank you if you're already a member, whether you're a cloth, vinyl, velour, or rich Corinthian leather member, I want to thank you for being a member. It's uh, incredible, the response we've had. We have over a 1,000 paying members, uh, which is really huge and really wonderful. I would like to remind you, if you are a member, please make sure auto renew is on. Please renew, even if you need to go down a level or you want to go up a level. We've actually had more people upgrade plans so far than downgrades. I mean, generally, um, generally in life, you want to level up. I mean, just generally speaking. Yeah. It's, um, it's, get some new Valor, Valor perks, perks, get yourself that sweet, sweet badge. Um, so please renew. And if you haven't become a member yet, please become a member uh, we are uh, hoping to bring on some really great voices next year. Um, we just brought in Lou and Day um, from The Drive. He's been contributing to the website. He's been doing awesome. You know, we want to continue to expand. We also have some new series coming up, some new video series. That's right. Um, Trade-in Tuesdays. Yeah. So we are uh, uh, one of the, obviously, Bo is the co-founder, and he runs Galpin, which is just, just enormous dealership franchise that gets all sorts of trade-ins, some crazy ones. Um, you know, I've drove like I drove a um an eight series, you know, the sort of wedge nose BMW recently, way more baller than I ever would have guessed. Um, I also drove a uh, Dodge Nitro with a hacked out catalytic converter, and that thing driving that around LA was absurd. Anyway, uh, the, the enough spoilers. We've got we've got uh trade in Tuesdays. We've got suspension secrets. Woo! Hubert Mays. Who is a uh, he's the designer behind the Tesla Model S suspension, the Ford GT suspension, the Lincoln LS, and he's going to tell you how suspensions work on some of the most legendary cars of all time. We got podcasts coming up, Autopian Drives. It's going down. We're going to keep improving because we need to earn your membership. We'll, we never forget that. Good plug. All right, that's all the plugs. Now you want to explain uh, when uh, what uh, why this thing is only ten minutes long? Well. I'll be brief on this because you know I don't want you know I don't want it to get too contentious here. Maybe I drove a Subaru, uh, Cross Trek Wilderness, or really could have been any of them that I just threw one out there randomly. Um, and I wrote a story about its um, one of its bits of hardware that I found to be insufficient. Um, and I just wrote a story about that and um. And I don't pull this stuff out of my hide here, okay? You know, I, I have an expertise in certain areas, including off-roading, including engineering. And so I wrote about this piece of hardware that is insufficient, and um, Subaru wasn't thrilled. They weren't thrilled at all. And uh, 
I'm not sure that how did that factor into our uh, podcast being shorter? I do oh, remember it coming up. Yeah, well, look, I, the the biggest reason why we are short is that the Toyota podcast. If you listen to those guys, those guys were great. They got lost, so we started late. Uh, and then the designer Derek Jenkins from Lucid, um, who that podcast is also out, was awesome. And that went long because we were in a, a lot of this. We were just having a great time. We were laughing. So that went like long. So by the time Subaru got there, we were a little tight. And then we might have had a little conversation about your article beforehand. And that might have put us a little bit back. And then all of a sudden, the guy had a heart out at a certain point. So by the time we actually got him sitting in the chair, um, we were going. And then the Subaru press guy was giving me the death stare. And so we we yanked it. So it got a little short. But it's great. There's some good info in there. And it's worth listening And we're to. grateful to have Subaru's time. Absolutely. Um, and, you know... Um, yeah, it, it was it was a great you know good discussion and you know he was a big fan of ours and um, so you know just to be clear we're grateful on that front and anytime we can get insight from an industry uh, insider uh, is always great um, and yeah so if you're into Subaru at all or uh, uh, yeah here you go listen to this and comment wherever you can on whatever platform you're reading you're listening to this on if you can uh, tell us about your Subaru woes if you have them or if you just love your Subaru and. You've got 300,000 miles on your rear wheel bearing somehow. Uh, let us know about that, too. Well, we like to say we started out as kind of a scam and turned into a legitimate car company. <laughs> it does sort of seem <laughs> that way when you read the early history of yeah. Subaru. Yeah, it's the like Brickland a, thing. A, a kind so of a get-rich-quick scheme, and yeah. now it's like this company that people really love. Autopian podcast. I'm David Tracy. Next to me is Autopian contributor Stephen Walter Gossen. And across from me is, an, is a very special guest, Bill Stokes, Carline Planning Manager for Subaru. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, I'm uh, Carline Planning Manager for Forrester, WRX, and BRZ. Okay. That is a very interesting lineup of cars because, in some ways, it seems like those cars kind of serve different customers. You sort of have your WRX, BRZ enthusiast, crazy car nut, and then you've got Forrester owners who may be a little bit more sensible. That's very true, um, but a little shout out to my parents. My mom's got a WRX, my dad's got a Forrester, so it's not necessarily uh -huh. the weirdest combination. Your mom's the hero in this. She really is, yes. my mom's a champ. <laughs> That's yeah, right? awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to get my dad into a BRZ too, but you know, it's, it's always a challenge. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Forrester is definitely more the practical, traditional style of Subaru where it's it's got good capability. It's very usable every day. People buy them to drive their kids to school and take themselves to work. And a, a BRZ and WRX customer is a very different mindset. It's a very different type of buyer. It's a lot younger. It's a lot more male. And so that's it's it's interesting having to kind of shift the mindset as I'm thinking about the planning for both of those different types of vehicles. So speaking of the fact you said they're both mostly more male of a more male audience for the two of them, how does that how do you how do you reach out and how do you find uh, you know, more ability to connect with, uh, you know, non-male customers? It's definitely a, I mean, the enthusiast audience, is, as you guys know, is it's definitely skewed toward male and it has for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but we try to make sure that our vehicles have just a range of characteristics that any customer would want. Like we try to make them safe and comfortable and well-equipped and reasonably fuel efficient and things like that. So we're not making vehicles that are so hardcore that they're only going to appeal to the very, very 
focused enthusiast customers, so to speak. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that that means that we can pick in, uh, we can pick up more customers that are uh, that are female, that are a different range of ages, different psychographically, different ranges of the country. So those things all uh, are focuses that we that we take into planning out products that'll appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, I think the WRX and the BRZ are livable cars. You know, yeah. these are not you know crazy rally only cars. They're yeah. track special. Yeah. 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 And we try to we try to make them capable in those scenarios as well, but we don't want to make them only capable in those scenarios. Okay, so um, well, we were just talking about your three vehicles that you're responsible for: WRX, BRZ, and Forester. The Forester, that's your your volume vehicle of those three, right? And you have a new one. That's why you're here. I assume this is kind of the big debut at the LA Auto Show, the 2025 Subaru Forester. Can you tell us a little about it? Yeah, so the Forester is, as you said, is a really, really important car for us. It's one of the two top-selling vehicles in our lineup, along with Outback. Year in and year out, those are the two cars that are that are the top models for us in terms of sales. Forester is a it's a very practical car. It's a, a vehicle that people shop against things like CRV, Rav4, which are very much the like the stalwarts in that compact SUV segment. And those are cars that people expect to, to do everything, absolutely everything for them. So it has to be able to you know, be comfortable for everyday use. It has to be fuel efficient. It has to be good for a long highway drive, a road trip with the family. But it also has to be good for adventures sometimes. And we find that our customers are more skewed towards the adventure end than maybe the, the average of you know, your RAV4s and CRVs because that's what Subaru is expected to do well. So the new Forester that we've got is designed to keep all those attributes that people expect from Forrester, like symmetrical all-wheel drive, 8.7 inches of ground clearance, all that capability that comes with all of that stuff, but also bring in more comfort, a little bit better design, um, more refinement. It's it's quieter inside. The structure's more rigid. It's got tons of cargo space, even more than the previous one, and a few more safety features, things that bring it up to date and make it more advanced, better technology, wireless charging, Apple CarPlay that's wireless, and all those things are, are improving the usability of it, but not limiting the capability of it, which is so important to our customers. I think you guys have really leaned into the the outdoors angle, the, the mar- even the pets marketing, you know, <laughs> that you guys have had recently. Genius, honestly. Genius. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you were, were talking about Forrester and about that being your bread and butter. Um, everyone, you know, you, leaning into that narrative of the outdoors, uh, the adventurism, um, th- that freedom angle, you know, how do you then segue from that to the other two cars, you know, which don't necessarily project that theme? It's like you have two completely different sort of market exactly. strategies. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yes. It, it, is, it is a little bit weird. It's very bimodal. You've got two, two different mindsets, like I was saying earlier, but there's a lot more uh, crossover, if you'll pardon the pun, between the two, because we find that Often you'll have a WRX owner that has a Forester or an Outback or a Crosstrack as family the car. other car in the family. Yeah. Or if they've got a project car, an older WRX or a BRZ or something, or a track day car or something like that, rally car, then they need something to drive every day, and we want to be there with some practical options for them to choose. And the core technology is the same from one to the other. So WRX has basically the same all-wheel drive system as a Forester does. And even though it's you know much quicker... It's positioned for a different customer. It's a different package and style of vehicle. It's got the same fundamental goodness, right? So it's not like binary. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's so, not binary. Yeah. So we're not trying to we're try, not trying to make cars in different ways for different customers. We're using the same core technology and just putting it in different different wrappers and with different levels of performance or capability 
Um, so hopefully a customer that likes one will see the value in the other. A few brands can really leverage that, you know, to take those two separate tracks, you know, the performance track and then the outdoors adventure, all wheel drive, and then, you know, serve some, you know, some customer that sits in the middle of that Venn diagram. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not like every customer is going to see the performance vehicles as being really relevant to their lifestyle every day. But knowing that the cars use the same technology to be like this great rally-inspired, fun performance car, but also it's what's underpinning your Forester, it, it tells you that there's something good there that you can believe is going to be well-engineered and well-made. I'd just like to point out that um, the Subaru story in America is one of the most incredible stories I've ever <laughs> it really heard. really is. I mean, starting with the, with the 360 was the very first one that came in with uh, Malcolm Bricklin. Yep. It's oh, just yeah. an absolute... And now we're at a point where people are Subaru diehards mm -hmm. in insane, absurd volumes. Um, so it's just an, an incredible story. For Such us. a strong brand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very unusual, definitely, that we've, we started out as... Well, we like to say we started out as kind of a scam and turned into a legitimate car company. It does sort of seem that way when you read the early history of yeah. Subaru. Yeah, yeah the it's Brickland like a, thing. A, a kind so of a get-rich-quick scheme, and yeah. now it's like this company that people really love. Yeah, and, and Malcolm Bricklin went to Fuji Heavy Industries to buy scooters. He was trying to buy Rabbit scooters to sell in the U.S. because Honda was having success selling yeah. motorcycles and scooters right. in the U.S. And they basically told him, hey, we're, we're going to take this thing out of production, so we can't sell it to you. And so they put together a deal kind of what on, else you got? on the fly. Yeah, what, what's, in, what's in the back room under yeah, the cover? Right. They had this tiny car, and he said, well, maybe I can sell those. So he set up a distributorship and started the company, and somehow we managed to snowball into selling more than 700,000 cars a year and competing in all these major segments with really good products. And there's the whole rally story, which is a whole separate thing. It's absurd. The whole yeah. story is oh, yeah. wild. Yeah. And, you know, that 700,000 number, I'm sure, is going to go through the roof as you offer more hybrids. Including you have a Forester hybrid coming up, um, which we can expect in the next year or so. Is that right? Yeah, the the Forester hybrid should be here in a, in about a year after the launch of the of the non hybrid version. It'll be based on the same platform, obviously, and uh, but it's still it's a next generation hybrid system, which isn't shared with uh, some hybrids that we have in other markets that are more mild hybrids. This is a little bit more advanced, so we are still finalizing the development of that, and it'll be a little further out from the initial launch of the Forester. Be very excited for that. I'm sure Forester owners are pumped to get a little better fuel, fuel economy. Uh, that's going to be coming out, uh, you know, not too distant future. So um, uh, we're getting the wrap-up signal. So just uh, wanted to thank you, uh, Mr. Stokes, for joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of your show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, being on here. the show and huge fan of Autopian. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thank you All, very right. Much. All right. Uh, that's that's been the Autopian podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, have a great day. You can find all these podcasts and some really wonderful articles you can't get anywhere else on www.theoctopian.com. And P.S., if you love what we do here, you can become a Vinyl Velour or Rich Corinthian Leather member of The Autopian by going to theoctopian.com and clicking the button that says support us because as these podcasts are probably demonstrating, we need all the help we can get.